0: Good morning. morning. How are you doing? Good to see you all this morning. Particularly good to see the noisy, shouty ones. We like the noisy, shouty ones. Fantastic. And if you're with us online this morning, hello to you guys as well. If you're watching us live or on catch up maybe it's great to have you with us as well so we've spoken a lot this morning already about it being a new term or a new season and for those of you who have got school-aged kids this is particularly that sort of feel isn't it and uh, i know january is a new year but it always feels like september is when things really start You know, if you've got school aged kids, I'm assuming you've done the uniform shop by now. If not, then supermarkets are open this afternoon until four o'clock. Good luck. Uh, And you may have gone school shoe shopping. If you've got more than one child, you probably extended your mortgage to facilitate that. But it's it's got a sort of feel about it, hasn't it? It's like a new season, a new term. And that's true in lots of areas of life. It's true for us as a church as well. We are starting a new preaching series. Wow, indeed. And we're starting a a new series. We're sort of starting it this week and next week. Uh, And that will make sense to you in a moment, I I trust, as you're thinking, why is it starting this week and next week? Well, you'll see in a moment. And what I want to bring this morning uh, for us, as we kick off this series, which is a bit of a sort of a, a pre-launch, if you like, uh, is something that I felt God speak to me about when I was on holiday a few weeks ago. Uh, we were away, and uh, there was one morning that I couldn't sleep. I was awake at about three o'clock in the morning, and I felt God speak to me and give me the sort of uh, the structure of this message of what I felt what God wanted me to to bring to us this morning at the beginning of this new term. Now you can tell me afterwards whether getting an idea for a preach at three o'clock in the morning is a good idea or not. We shall see. You might be thinking at the end of it, that was a good way to do it. Maybe you should go on holiday more often and get more ideas at three o'clock in the morning. Or maybe you're thinking that was a really bad idea. You're better off doing it on Tuesday at nine in the morning. We shall see. You can, you can tell me later. But as I was lying there thinking and, and pondering about this new series that we're starting, I, I started to think about some of the things that we're going to cover, some of the things that we're going to look at. And, and I felt God speak to me about some things that we needed to say first. Before we got there. And so our new preaching series, which sort of starts this week and next week, is going through the Gospel of Mark. Now, in our Bibles, we've got four Gospels Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They're written by four Gospel writers of the, the same names. And they give us the earth, they give us the accounts of the earthly life and ministry of Jesus. It's where we go to read about what Jesus said, what he did, the things that uh, he did amongst the people of his time. Uh, And Mark is one of those books, one of those Gospels. And the word Gospel literally means good news. So it's the good news about Jesus. Uh, And I happen to like Mark for a number of reasons. Firstly, it's the shortest Gospel. So if you want one for a quick read, that's the one to go to. But also, Mark is action-packed, full of adventure. There are things happening on every page. At every turn, Jesus is doing something, saying something. There's something happening all the time. Mark is is, is a great read, and we're going to spend the next few uh, months or so in in going through it. We're going to finish it on Easter Sunday next year. Because the Gospel of Mark actually finishes with the Easter story. So the death and the resurrection of Jesus, that which we celebrate at Easter, that's where Mark lands. That's where he finishes his Gospel. We're going to land there at Easter Sunday next year, which also happens to be my birthday, by the way. So you can make a note of that if you wish. But that's where we're going to land it. We're going to go through... Uh, there's some other things happening, various Sundays as well. But our main bulk of preaching in the next few months is going to be the Gospel of Mark. We're going to take this journey through the book. And you, always, you will see as we go that what we're going to look at is not just a commentary on what Jesus said and did, but rather it's a model for us. So I want you to expect some challenges. I want you to be expect to be provoked I want you to expect God to speak to you as we read this book together. Because that's what happens as we read God's word. He speaks to us. It's like the book is alive. It's like the words are living and active, one writer puts it. Because God speaks to us as we read it. It's not just like you might read a, a favorite novel. No, this is God's word to us. And he speaks to us through it. So there will be some challenges. And like I said, this particular message is almost a prequel. That's the in thing these days, isn't it? I have, have a prequel of things. I've just been listening to uh, a podcast about the, the prequel to, to Lord of the Rings that Amazon uh, 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 launched recently. That's the in thing, is our prequel to something. Well, this is the prequel to our Mark series. Tim is going to do a fantastic job next Sunday of properly launching it for us and giving us an overview and uh, and launching us into the series proper. This is the week before. But actually, we will look at some passages in Mark, as well as a passage in another gospel, the Gospel of John. So why don't we pray, uh, and then we'll get into the message itself, okay? Father, I want to thank you for your word. Thank you that you speak to us from it. And as we open it up together now, I want to pray that you would speak to us. Help us not just to understand what we read, but God, we pray that you would apply it to our lives. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I've got three points, as you'll be very pleased to know. And they are this. If you're making notes, these are your three headings. Come and see. Come and follow. Come and go. That's that's our three headings. Come and see. Come and follow. Come and go. So if you've got a Bible with you, why don't you turn to John's Gospel. Don't worry if you haven't, because the verses will come up on the screen behind me. We're going to look at John chapter 1 to start with. We're going to jump in at verse Forty-three. So John chapter 1, verses 43 to 46. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We've found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see," said Philip. Come and see. So, okay, we're not in Mark's gospel now. This particular event is recorded for us in John's gospel. But obviously it's the, the beginning uh, of the, uh, the main period of ministry of Jesus as he's beginning to call disciples to follow him. And we find here that there are actually two accounts of this phrase, come and see. Verse 41, we find Andrew going to Simon. Come and see. Then in 40, verse 45, we find uh, Philip. Going to Nathaniel, going, Come and see. Come and see. And I found it fascinating that the first thing that these particular individuals did when they met Jesus, the very first thing that they do, the very first thing that Andrew and Philip do, is go and find somebody important to them and tell them, Come and see. Come and see. They have realized that they have stumbled upon some good news. They've met Jesus, the one whom Old Testament writers years previously had written about, had prophesied, was to come. They realize that they've met him. And this is amazing news. The whole people of God have been looking forward to the coming of Jesus and and suddenly he's amongst them and immediately, hey, come and see. Come and see. Come and see who I've found. Come and see who I've met. They don't want to keep the good news to themselves. Immediately go to somebody else and say, come and see. Meeting Jesus so changed them that they wanted others to meet him Two. I found it fascinating that it was come and see, come and meet Jesus, the person of Jesus. It wasn't come to a talk. It wasn't come to a, an event. It wasn't come to a service or a course. Good all those things are. It was come to a person. Come and see the person of Jesus. I think, just reflecting on this, I think that what we often do as Christians is say to people, why don't you come to an event? Come to church, maybe. Or come to an Alpha course, perhaps. That It's a great course. Explains explains the good news about Jesus over a number of weeks. It's good. We say, come to church, come to a, a course, or, or come to a particular service we're doing. Maybe like a guest service, or maybe as we will do at Christmas, a carol service. We say to people, why don't you come to this event? But what these guys did was say, come and see, come and meet the person of Jesus. Jesus. Now, I know you could argue, Grandma, that was easy. They had Jesus around them. They could go grab a friend and say, come and see. Look, there he is. But I do think there's a provocation and challenge for us. Have we got into inviting people to an event or an occasion rather than come and see, come and meet the person of Jesus? Let me tell you how he's changed my life. Now I'm not saying that services or events or courses are bad. They're not. They're good. I had some time in uh, just the beginning of the summer with Nikki Gumbel, who's the the pioneer of the Alpha course that we're familiar to many of us. It's a great course. runs in in thousands of churches all around the world. Loads of people have done it and have met Jesus as a result of it. It's a good thing. But I think we've we're focused on inviting people to an event, not to meet the person of Jesus. Andrew and Philip invite people to meet a person. They want to introduce their family and friends to the person of Jesus Christ. They thought person and then occasion. I think often we think occasion and then person. My challenge to us is this, I think we've changed it. I think we need to change our language to be, hey, let me tell you about the person of Jesus. Let me tell you about what he's done for me. Courses and events should help us introduce people to Jesus. They're not an end in themselves. Get people so interested in the person of Jesus, they're next like, hey, yeah, I want to come to a course, I want to come to an event, to find out more. But why not tell your story about what Jesus has done for you? And to state the obvious, Andrew and Philip knew exactly who to go to to tell about Jesus. There wasn't any wondering of, oh, who should who I should tell? Oh, I've met this Jesus, and it's great, but I'm not sure who I should talk to about it. They knew straight away who to tell. My question for you is this: Who, do you, who should you go and tell? Who is in your immediate world that? needs to hear the good news about Jesus. Who do you need to say, come and see, to? Who would you go to? And has meeting Jesus so impacted us that we can't help but say to people, hey, come and see, let me tell you about what Jesus has done for me. It's my first point. Come and see. Come and see the person of Jesus. But secondly, after come and see, is come and follow. This is in Mark chapter 1, so we are getting into our Mark series now. You'll be pleased to know we're in chapter 1. We're jumping halfway into the first chapter. Tim will do the first bit next week. And it's in verse 16. So Mark chapter 1. Verse 16. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Then another account in chapter 2. Verse 13, once again Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him. And Levi got up and followed him. When Jesus called people, it wasn't to a meeting. It wasn't to a series of talks or lectures. Even though he was uh, going to be preaching to big crowds, he literally called people to follow him. Follow me, is what he says. And people literally did. They stopped what they were doing and followed Jesus. I mean, I, I read that and think, well, what happened to the nets? What happened to the boats? What happened to the following days fishing that was planned? Or well, for Levi, who was sitting at the tax collector's booth, what happened to the people that were queuing up waiting to pay their taxes? We're not told. What we are told is that these individuals stop what they were doing and follow Jesus. Follow me was Jesus' command and invitation to them, and they did. They changed everything in their lives and followed him. Think about it for a moment. It wasn't just to add Jesus to an already fairly full schedule. It wasn't, well, just see if you can shoehorn in Sunday morning and maybe a Wednesday night. And that's okay. But it was literally follow me, and they did. This is a call to radical discipleship, radical commitment to Jesus. Give up everything else and follow me, is what Jesus was saying, and they did. His call, it's his leading, his shaping of their lives. And Jesus' invitation to you this morning is, come and follow. Come and follow. I wonder, when was the last time you put it like that to somebody? That's a radical commitment to Jesus. When was the last time somebody put it like that to you? Come and follow is about discipleship. It's about being with Jesus and becoming more and more like him. It's about growing in your faith and maturing as a Christian. The Into the Word course that James spoke about earlier is a fabulous example of that. An opportunity to grow in your faith, to mature as a Christian, to uh, broaden your knowledge of scripture. That's come and follow. So I wonder, who are you encouraging to follow Jesus? Who are you getting alongside to say, hey, come on, follow. Let's let's follow together. Who's getting alongside you to encourage you to follow him and give away your life in following Jesus and his call upon you? come and see, come and follow. And then thirdly, we've got come and go. Come and go. Mark 1, again, verse 38. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I've come. So he travelled throughout Galilee preaching in their synagogues (coughs) <coughs> driving out demons. Then, in chapter three, verse fourteen, it says Jesus appointed twelve that they might be with him, and that he might send them out to preach and have authority to drive out demons. In the gospels, there is always a going. There's always a being sent part of the picture. Whether it's Jesus going to the next town or the disciples being sent out to to preach themselves. There's always this sense of mission, always this sense of movement, always this sense of going. And as soon as the disciples are called together, immediately Jesus is sending them out. You're thinking, well, he just got them in. But part of getting them in is sending them out. That's all part of the same package. You see, following Jesus is not a passive thing. It's an active thing. It's exciting. There's adventure. There's risk. And where there's adventure and risk, there's faith to be grown. And faith for God to breathe on. Following the Jesus of the Bible it's not about joining a bunch of elderly saints singing some ancient hymns in a bygone language of previous days. It's about adventure. It's action. It's going. It's Jesus saying, come and follow and come and go. Bear Grills, the TV presenter and adventurer, said this. Listen to what he says. The journey's been that faith has been the wildest ride. And Jesus, the heart of the Christian faith, is the wildest, most radical guy you'd ever come across. He was always hanging around with the prostitutes and tax collectors, having parties and banquets. And I found myself drawn to that character. Not the kind of fluff that we like to box as religions. It's a great quote, isn't it? From somebody you may be familiar with from various TV programs. But he's describing there what the Christian life is meant to be like. A life of adventure and faith and risk and encountering God in all sorts of situations. And encountering God in what may be otherwise the normal and mundane of everyday life. Allowing God to break in wherever you are, and expecting him that or expecting that He will have a perspective and something to say about every situation you find yourself in. You might think, well, Graham, there's not much risk in my life. I mean, it's maybe you know, lots of it's taking the kids to school and sorting out a house and doing this shopping, and it's pretty predictable and mundane. but hey, what if God was to breathe on that? And you saw it from his perspective, and the opportunities that he's giving you. You might go, "Well, Graham, my, my life is very predictable. You know, I turn up at work at nine o'clock on a Monday morning, and you know, Mondays goes, and Tuesdays very similar, and Wednesday comes round, and Thursdays a bit different sometimes, and then it's Friday. It's much the same, and there's not much risk and adventure there. But what if you saw it from God's perspective? What if you saw it from the perspective of the people that he's bringing around your path and across your um, influence to be able to speak words of life and encouragement to? What if you saw your um, work life, your, your daily life of Monday to Friday as adventure with Jesus, not just paying the bills? What if you saw what you're doing during the week as part of... Following Jesus and your radical commitment to him and him sending you into that situation. Your place of work or study or leisure. Your neighbours, your friends, your your gym or where you go for your hobby. Whatever it might be. I'm not sure I understand. (laughs) Well, never mind. (laughs) Note to self, take watch off before preaching. You know, what if you saw the situations that you're going to step into this week as where God is sending you? What if you saw it as this, the opportunities that he's giving you in this week? He says, as we work our way through Mark, we'll, we'll see time and again that, imme- that immediately, as soon as Jesus brings them in, he sends them out. As soon as he brings them in and teaches them, off they go again. On mission, on adventure, on walks of faith. You know, I think this has got a big challenge for us. Big implications for us, friends. It's one of the reasons I I love the whole ethos of Love Derby so much. It gets us outside these four walls and into the city that God has called us to and gives us opportunities to love and to care and to show grace and mercy to people that God has put around us to bless and to encourage and to speak of the good news of Jesus literally to love Derby with the love that God has put in our hearts you know it's not just for the keenies this is Who we are as a church. It's why we exist. Why we exist to show this city that God has called us to something of the love and the grace and the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, it's the going bit that most Christians find the hardest. It's not comfortable. It's not easy. It's not predictable. It's like, you're asking questions. What if I go to say something, but they reject it? What if I speak out something, but they laugh at me? There's that caution, isn't there? There's like, oh, well, what if? Questions that we ask ourselves. There's a risk there. But listen, where there's risk, there's faith. And where there's faith, there's adventure with God. And faith grows when we step out. Faith doesn't grow when you're comfortable. You know, I love these chairs. They are comfy chairs. There are lots of great churches in Derby. I've visited many of them. I know lots of their leaders. Fantastic churches. I think these are the comfiest chairs in any of them. But listen, faith doesn't grow In comfy chairs. Mm. Faith grows when you step out. When you take a risk. Where there's some adventure with God. Faith grows at the margins. Where you least expect it. This place should be a place of encouragement. And stirring us to that. I wonder, what sort of Christian life do you want? If you had to describe the sort of Christian life that you would like, that would be like your ideal, what would you say? How would you describe it? What sort of Christian life would you be after? Would it be one that was fairly mediocre, sort of going through the motions, quite predictable really, but not a lot going on? Or is it a life where you want God to move powerfully, where you see some bold prayers being answered? where you see some sick people being healed, where you see lives turned around, marriages rescued, families impacted with the good news of the gospel, a life where there's excitement and passion and God at work. I want to encourage you, that happens as you go. That happens as you step out. You know, I know know church is nice and comfortable and safe, but it's like a harbour for a boat. Just picture it. Picture it in your mind, you know, nice harbour, maybe some luxury cruisers there, maybe a few sailing vessels, ships of all sorts of different sizes. It's nice and calm and serene and peaceful, isn't it? But there's no adventure in the harbour. There are no new lands to be explored in the harbour. Boats aren't really designed to stay in a harbour. They're designed for the open sea, for adventure, and travelling to some new places. Now, we need some harbour time, don't we? We do need harbour time sometimes to get healed up, repaired, repaired restored, replenished for the journey ahead. But not always to stay in the harbour forever, but to get ready to go. Just like boats aren't built for the harbour, they're built for the open sea, Christians are built for a life of adventure and risk with God himself. And that happens as we go, as he sends us. What about us? We begin to wrap this up. What about us? I oh, wonder who are you saying, come and see to? Who is on your radar to, maybe even this week, to say, now come and see. Let me tell you about what Jesus has done. Now, Jesus is really happy hanging out with people who were far from God. Really happy in their company. Really happy to spend time with people who are a million miles away from any relationship with God, at least so they thought until they met him. Are you looking for opportunities to say, come and see, come and meet the Jesus that's changed my life? What about following? Come and follow. What about following? Who are you saying, hey, come and follow to? Who are you getting alongside to encourage, support, to disciple? Who's doing that to you? Come, let's follow God together. And finally, this come and go. Where are you going this week? What's your going arena for you? Is it your neighborhood? Your street, maybe? Your place of work, perhaps? Where you study or where you spend your leisure time? Where God is sending you? What faith adventures has he got for you in some of these places this week one more Bear Grylls quote to finish with as I found some Bear Grylls quotes I'm going to use them (laughs) one more to finish with he says this Christianity is not about religion it's about faith about being held about being forgiven it's about finding joy and finding home we all want that But nobody wants religion. Why do people turn away from faith? They're not turning away from religion. They're not turning away from religion most of the time. I've yet to meet anyone who doesn't want to be forgiven or held or find peace or joy in their life. We try loads of other stuff and we think booze or foxy women or whatever will fill it. His words. But it doesn't fill the hole. Why do people turn away from faith? They're not. They're turning away from religion most of the time, he says. People meet Jesus. Their lives are impacted and turned around. I wonder, for some of you this morning, is there things that you've been trying to fill that hole with in your own life, thinking, yeah, I've tried a few things to fill that that gap, that, that sort of gaping desire in my own life for something more, I want to say to you, if that's you this morning, come and see. Come and see the person of Jesus. Come and meet him. Not come and meet religion. Come and meet Jesus. Come and meet the Jesus of the Gospels that we'll spend these next weeks looking at. The one who will change your life forever. The one who calls you, invites you to follow him the one who offers forgiveness, peace, and joy. Let's pray together as we finish. Heavenly Father, thank you for this gospel of Mark we've got recorded for us, this wonderful account of life and ministry of Jesus. And God, I pray that over these next few weeks together that you'll be speaking to us from it. But Lord, I pray particularly from this message today that God, we would want to see Jesus afresh. That there'll be those, even this week, we're saying, come and see too. I pray, Lord, we'd be inviting others to come and follow you. And I pray for each of us, we get a fresh sense of you calling us to go, calling us to impact the world around us with the good news of Jesus Christ. Whatever area you've called us to, whatever our week might look like, Father, I pray that we'll have a sense of you sending us into it afresh, that going with the good news of the gospel. So Father, I want to pray now that you bless us, that you'd keep us, that you'd be at work in our lives. And Father, we pray that we would be a blessing to this city and beyond in the coming week. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thanks for listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk and we'll come along on any Sunday morning.